remind you, 007, that Blofeld's dead. Finished. The least we can expect from you now is a little plain, solid work. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the 007 Minute, where each and every other day, we go over one minute of one of the greatest uh, Sean Connery-era movies, one of my favorites at least, uh, the 1971 Guy Hamilton-directed feature, Diamonds Are Forever. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm host number two, Mark Cerulli of Illuminar.tv, and it's one of my favorites too, Jim. And okay. uh, today, uh, we are... Uh, really happy to have a return guest. We're We're blessed. We're blessed. Uh, David DeVries, voiceover artist and actor extraordinaire. Well, welcome back, David. It's a pleasure to be with both of you. Ah, those pipes. Those pipes are back with us. David, thanks for uh, for sitting in on, on these episodes. I know, you know you've just recently rewatched uh, Diamonds. I know you have a lot of thoughts on them. I'm glad, glad to have you on the show to talk about it. Yeah, it's like um, it's like a Carl Sagan time capsule when you, you go back and... <laughs> And watch this and and see what the social mores of 1971 were. It's pretty scary, but kind of funny and interesting in, at the same time. And we, we're in uh, we're in South Africa, and we're watching uh, the kindly Mrs. Whistler uh, <laughs> stuffing some diamonds in a Bible. Yeah, it's interesting that she she doesn't make any pretense of doing any kind of South African accent either, whether you know whether it's Afrikaans or or the British South African. But that that was kind of probably not. All that important back. But you know, then. it's funny, like stuff like that just just blows by. You're kinda in the moment and, and you don't that never you know, you're right, but that never registered. No, and and when they're later in, in the Netherlands that you know, the the fake right. Dutch accent is really Who fake. Who is too. your like, floor? Yeah, you, you missed it. <laughs> you totally missed it. Now what I like about this particular the way the story, the exposition is is handled in these, you know, first what uh 17 pages of the the screenplay is this kind of back and forth setting 007 up with the storyline while you're you're getting these this parallel simultaneous action or I guess it's not simultaneous but it's it's the boys kind of unfolding their story so it's it's really kind of a it's a pretty effective storytelling uh, method I think it's kind of a, it's an illustration of the exposition that's going on back in uh, Sir Donald's office. We're getting you know a little like picture <laughs> picture postcards of what of what he's talking about of the whole the whole caper going down with yeah. the diamond smuggling. Yeah, yeah it's, exactly. as you were saying, it's it's a different it's a different method of storytelling. I mean, we're, th- this wouldn't fly in the 21st century the way they're the way they're handling this. I think, huh? Well, I, I don't know. I it, it might. I mean, I I wonder if it was somewhat innovative at the at the time, or at least innovative for the particular genre that this was. What was it, what's interesting about this movie is that, you know, it harkens back to I re- I remember when I was a kid that, uh, you know, 007 movies were adults only. This was maybe before the MPAA and, and, and the rating system. When did the uh, rating 69, system I think. Right about that. Oh, yeah, this is okay. in there, but it was it was before, I think, was this rated GP or M? I can't I remember. I bet you it was M. I yes. bet you it was M. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, you can see a little, I mean, it's like, am I seeing some breasts there or... 
I distinctly think yeah, that's Yeah, in the, in the titles, I'm right? Thinking. That's every teenage boy was yeah. paying attention. Oh boy, yeah. I mean, I, I, if everybody wanted to go to an M-rated movie, and I don't think that I was—I uh, think I was in like sixth grade or something when this came out. So this was all before the pause button on VCRs and stuff. You just had to use your brain and <laughs> watch the movie again and again and again. Yeah, exactly. We, you know, we still tell stories, but I think it would have been going on a lot faster. This whole uh, talking about the diamond trade, I think, would have been reduced down to about 15 seconds of showing one clip to the next clip to the next clip. You know yeah, saying? exactly. I mean, it's it definitely pre-MTV, you know, editing vocabulary. Yeah, uh, yeah. And very, very static shots, too. The cameras are just kind of parked on a tripod and, you know, they do the master shot and the single shot. So it's just very static. Yeah. And, and I also kind of think it's, it's interesting, this uh, level of contempt that M has for, yes. for James Bond. It's, it's very palpable in this movie. He's just like looking at him like, you know, what does he say? Something like, you know, we do some work around here, you know, <laughs> Yes, yes, we do function in your absence, <laughs> 007. He always looks like he's saying yeah. it with like a bald fist in his lap. Just ready to get him to yeah. punch this guy. But that was what was so great about Bernard Lee. I mean, he just, that was perfect. Now, is it, is it Bernard or is it Bernard? Uh, probably Bernard. Bernard, Bernard. Yeah. I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> and, and very much cast against type. From what I understand, uh, Mr. Lee, I'll, I'll just avoid the whole controversy. Mr. Lee was uh, quite the life of the party. He insisted as part of, I think, a rider to his being on set was that they had to have a piano available. And during the off, you know, the off shooting times while they were resetting the lights and stuff, he'd go over and start playing uh, British uh, music hall uh, song oh, and have, every, have everybody sing along. He was like, you know, everybody loved good old Bernie. It was a different time. I couldn't see, I couldn't see that happening on a James Cameron set. <laughs> right? No, probably not. Although, you know, you probably get a free juice shot, though. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> now, Lois Maxwell was American, Money right? Penny. Yes. Yes. I, I knew her a bit and very nice lady. Very nice. Is she still with us? No, or is she she's gone to her reward, as they say. Getting a little bit ahead of ourselves on, on this. That'll be he'll be she'll be coming up more tomorrow. We'll, we'll talk. Let's get her a little. I mean, on our next show, we finally get out of the exposition part. I'm very very grateful. These past fifteen minutes are uh, well. Mark, you can remember from the airport minute that was be like being trapped in the uh, in the club. Uh, yes, the, yeah, the club, the commander's club. This, just this has been dragging on for most of our shows watching this. But uh, generally, it's been a, a relatively painless exposition. Well, we finally get into uh, the Peter Franks moment. Can't help but know. Notice that that Triumph stag matches the decor of Sir Donald's office. They both have that same harvest gold color. Ah, now yeah, the, I, this is a, a production design element yeah. that I didn't. Know. The actor yeah. who played Peter Franks, uh, Joe Robinson, was a uh, you know muscular, a, a weightlifter, and I, I think a judo champion. Oh, is that right? Yeah, well, that, yeah. That'll come in handy later. He was. Uh, uh, I was reading. He was. Uh, I guess he lived in South Africa for a time, and he he was attacked, and he sent like two or three of his attackers to the hospital with severe injuries. <laughs> oh my god! No autographs, yeah. Sonny. <laughs> but he told me a very interesting story. He said that that Guy Hamilton's idea for. The, well, all right, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. I'll I'll save that for when we get to yeah, the elevator that's, that's fight. A tease, a, a it's teaser, a tease, yes. yes. But we should talk about these two gentlemen who are, are uh, kind of odd, nefarious villains in this because – Oh, yeah. Mr. Winton, Mr. Kidd, yeah. definitely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
yeah uh, like, that typical just kind of weird background that you're you know they don't seem to like specter doesn't seem to hire just regular folks <laughs> to work for them they're all just kind of a little bit uh half a bubble off plum i think is the british term um <laughs> i love half that. a bubble like, off uh, plum well, I, I just think I just kind of wonder in 1971 what it must have what a controversy it must have been to uh, when they held hands, you yes. know, at the at yeah. end of that desert sequence. It, it must have been shocking. But I remember I saw that in Manhattan when it came out and that got a big laugh. People laughed. Oh, they laughed. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Because everything was kind of so exaggerated, you know. Yeah, this is extremely so. This is flamboyant. Doesn't even begin to describe the uh, the attitudes on the, on this. It's a, you know, and and these this is another one of those things where you have to kind of jump in and say this was a different time. It's a different place. Different attitudes, and you know, it was considered shocking, but they wanted to have something shocking in the movie to make it a little bit ultra. Yeah, I think that they were effective in that, and and maybe and maybe in their own quiet way, they were kind of like slowly pushing our uh, culture toward will and grace, you know, eventually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although this, you know, kind of a you know, well, definitely a negative portrayal. Although you know, it didn't seem like they they that seemed to be the most uh, the, or the least uh, troubling part of their relationship <laughs> that they're cold blooded killers. Uh, it seems to just jump by, but you know, seeing two men holding right. hands is suddenly, oh my gosh, what are they doing? <laughs> it's like their next stop is to, uh, well, you know, getting up to the murder of this little old lady. Oh, she she had it coming. She, yeah, that was yeah. that, that was. Uh, I I was a little surprised at that. I you know, uh, yeah, the, then they kind of show this emerging pattern of of betraying their collaborators in crime. Which uh, is was a little shocking when I saw it on this last go. And unlike we we saw the previous people that they were dealing with, Doctor Tynan, and also um, the the helicopter pilot, they didn't they didn't know these two guys. But it's obvious that Mrs. Whistler has quite a history with. She, he was they or they both were their contacts for. She was the next link in the chain, and she was the one that was being told where she's bringing the diamonds. You know, if they were going. Uh, to, uh, she's know. the Helen Hayes of this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. she's the the what, what was Quantum. her name? Mrs. Quantum. Yeah, Mrs. Quantum. She's the Quantum. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I guess Helen Hayes, they couldn't get her at the right price. Not available. No. Well, she's just, she had just come off the Oscar-winning uh, performance in Airport, so this would be the yeah. next year, and she's just untouchable. She said, "I'm just going to hang out in Nyack. The, your the, yeah. the, the rate's not good enough." Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Call me when you got a better price. I get maybe she just didn't want to wind up in the. Well, we were getting ahead of ourselves, but she didn't want she didn't want to wind up with the end of this. Although she would have been a great character if they could have purchased the character and said, "Well, I get free air travel anywhere on Trans Global." Oh, that would have been perfect. <laughs> the ideal smuggler. Exactly. Ah, wow. So uh, let's talk a little bit about Dover. We're we're uh, we're coming up here to the uh, the customs agency in Dover again. This is another yes, white cliffs of Dover. Days gone by because all that is gone. I mean, the, the arrival of the Channel Tunnel ruined the economy of uh, ferry services. Everything mm. everything goes through the channel now, and uh, all this is gone. Wow. Which is kind of a uh, Kind of strange thinking about it because I mean I I don't know if 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 you if either of you had ever been on the the cha the, the channel tunnel or the channel uh, traffic on ferries, but I I'd, I'd been on it back in the late eighties and early nineties, and that was the only way to yes, get to I France. Yes, I took I took the uh, the uh, a ferry back in the eighties 
Uh, I, I did too. I think in 90, uh, let me see, 97, we took uh, the ferry from Plymouth, Portsmouth, Portsmouth, Portsmouth. to, to Caen. Oh, okay. Yeah. And what's interesting yeah. is last year, last time I was in England, we, we went to Paris and we took the, uh, the Eurostar train and it's, uh, it's painless. It's it's amazing. But the closer you get to the actual tunnel, the more barbed wire, the more guards there are. It's a different time. Now, I think that you still can take the ferry um, I would think, yeah, to from... the Netherlands. You know, you take it from yeah. Harwich to the Hook of Holland. And yeah. uh, I did that um, several times. But yeah, but all the, all the stuff down around Dover, the, the, you know, the stuff going to Calais, that's just kind of wiped out. They've, uh, uh-huh. it, Which is a shame because, I mean, I, I remember being – on um well we're gonna we're, that's a couple of minutes ahead of us but uh the princess margaret which is going to be showing up i think on the, our next episode i remember being on that hovercraft and thinking wow this is you know this is pretty neat that you're you're crew i was very loud but uh it, it's pretty neat that you can just like bob over the waves and all of a sudden you're on you know you're on the continent in about i think it was maybe a half an hour 40 minutes but all that's gone and it's it's just kind of strange thinking that this is all within not only within our life funds but relatively our recent lifetimes that you know an entire segment of transportation for for that particular area is no longer there so i don't know how they would handle well i guess they handle this the way they would handle uh the the first mission impossible movie there'd be some uh conflict that uh, you know on brit rail versus uh, versus at the ferry mm mm-hmm. mhm yeah, I think that the pace of change is kind of uh, uh, a little intimidating to to all of us. It's uh, it, it all has gone so so quickly. So many things have become extinct culturally that it's uh, it's it's hard to keep up. Uh, um, I'm noticing that that van behind him, and I, I keep thinking that very very British van. Uh, that reminds it's me Lori. of the little lorry over there, you know. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the the headlights it very much remind me of the original uh, Casino Royale, where uh, I think it was David Niven was being chased by by a van by a van or lorry that had, that had uh, headlights that had spikes on them that would stick out, and we're trying to. Uh, uh, blow up his car. So I was expecting maybe they'd have some more, uh, some more drama here. But it's just it's just a plain old, uh, a plain old delivery. Uh, we'll use American truck. <laughs> yeah, just a, a slice of the seventies here. Very. Uh, what is with? I, I mean, I, I care if you were a. I was trying to figure out if you were a British uh, government official, would you actually have that uh, flock of seagulls haircut that the the one guy has from the uh, uh, from the customs office? He just seems to have like this big, you know, like an iceberg lettuce wedge of hair. Yeah, uh, it's 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 not attractive. It's not a good look. <laughs> <laughs> it really isn't. I yeah, I remember that guy and thinking, dude, what's going on with that hair? It's like he he could only afford forty percent of a haircut, and it's just. <laughs> It's a, a massive, massive part. Now, what so, kind of what kind of car is this again? Is this is a, that's a, a Triumph? A, a, what Triumph, Triumph Stag? It's a Stag. Yeah. It's a, a Stag. Okay. It's kind of a. Uh, I think it was a more muscular version of the TR6, and uh, it has a bigger engine. You know, now, I probably Google it and find out more about it. But but I just remember the Triumph Stag was was the thing to have if you wanted a. It, it was their version of a muscle car. Uh, the Interesting. Now, I was an MG driver back in the day. Oh, really? Did you have a midget or? I had a I had a B. I had the a MG B. B. Okay. Oh, and nice. um, it uh, you know, it, it's it satisfied my my wanton 
uh, post-adolescent ego, but it, it, it didn't, didn't run worth a sh**. And, and uh, <laughs> I constantly had, was replacing the alternator because, God forbid, a British Leyland product could ever be electronically sound, you know, and so I'd be driving along and, and the gas gauge didn't work. And I had the car for eight years and I only ran out of gas, like I think about six times. That's a good average, I suppose. <laughs> so your gas gauge, your gas gauge was your odometer. Yeah, you know, I just kind of <laughs> thought I could, sometimes I could hear the fuel pump start going like that. I said, I need to go to a gas station. Stat. Yeah, I, I did. I still have feel a romantic connection with those those British sports cars because, you know, they were they they were just se- so sexy. Mm. And they were, they were like they were like timepieces too. They weren't perfect. They were they were bird magnets. <laughs> they were, as they would say, we call them a chick magnet. They were bird. Yeah, they kind of were bird. But you know, I don't know. I didn't have that good luck. You know, I I should have. It was your voice, David. Come on, <laughs> you'd say hello, and that would be it. Yes. Right, right. <laughs> uh, no. Can I narrate you a drink? Yeah. It's... <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, what now what kind of lorry is that? It says it's uh Palmer Dormer? Palmer? I don't know what that is. Uh somewhere Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I also have to say that Bernard Lee's nose it 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 looks like it's he was suffering from some um some rosacea a la JP Morgan and uh he, I lost Steve Bannon. Yeah, it's very, very heavily made up to the point that mm-hmm. it's it's his proboscis is you know draws a little attention. <laughs> yeah, quite the gin blossom there. The uh, oh, uh, by the way, that's a Commer van. It's a Commer manu- British manufacturer of commercial vehicles from 1905 until 1979. Well, I'll be gosh darn. Is it and it's British as well? British based in Luton. And uh, it was purchased by, uh, in 1967, it was purchased by Chrysler UK until they folded the thing. Oh, my gosh. They made a quite a quite a succession. Of, this is, uh, our British listeners are probably hit, hitting the sides of their. Uh, their box halls. <laughs> their, uh, their iTunes uh, players. They're going, why don't these people know about commerce? But yeah, commerce, apparently they built a whole bunch of, they're, they're basically the, in America, they were replaced by the Dodge 500 series of trucks. Interesting. That's, uh, that's where now, did, uh, how old is Connery in this movie? I mean, 41. how old is he when he shot this? 41, Cause, yeah. Because to me, he, he, he really looks like he's the perfect age. You know, seasoned. He, he looks like, yeah, he looks seasoned. He's He's got enough kind of tread worn off on his tires <laughs> to kind of, kind of. He's, he looks like a yeah. real man's yes. man, yeah. but he still has got vitality and everything, you yeah. know. Oh, David, I want to I really depress you. The uh, the woman that's playing uh, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Whistler, the little old lady. Yes. In the time of this filming, it was she was 58. Ah, jeez. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for bringing us but down. But she is a Bond girl, so there. Yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll yeah. That's we'll deal with her. That's got to be a wig. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, you know, old people were older back then. It, I mean, she's she's missing. If if you watch on some of these things, she's missing her her back teeth. Well, that's because she offended Connor Annie. He, he showed her what's what. <laughs> I don't yeah. have to put up with that. Yeah, explain it. <laughs> oh, but, my gosh. But, wow. But this guy, what's his name again? Mr. Um, Mr. Wint? Oh, uh, Peter Franks. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, oh. I'm at the beginning oh. of the clip. Oh, Mr. Wint and Mr. Kidd, yes. Mr. Wint. I mean, the family resemblance is just frightening now that you've, you've yeah, let the now that cat you've... out of the bag about Crispin. It. 
Crispin's uh, dad, yes. Oh my gosh! But I, I, and yeah, and he had something. an uh, unbelievable career. He was in Chinatown. He was in Walking Tall. He he, uh, you know, long long. He's still acting. Uh, he and his son are making yeah, a movie yeah. in, uh, I believe, the Czech Republic. No kidding. Yeah. And he teaches acting out here in L.A. If the imperative in this particular role was to just be gooey creepy, he he satisfied it because he's he's pretty creepy. You know, yeah, he's he's the only the only one I can think of at the time that's similar to him was like Andrew Robinson. If you remember the bad guy from uh, the the original Dirty Harry movie, he has that same the yeah. flat features and the, and the smile. It's just very disturbing smile. And the music helps too. They have this, you know, kind of yeah. He he has the, the flutes, the, yeah, those yeah. flutes going on underneath them that are just very creepy. Now those are sixties jazz flutes. There's a, there's a lot yeah. of that in this movie, which I think is pretty. Pretty funny. I mean, I love the orchestration. Oh, it's a great soundtrack. Yeah. This is a yeah. terrific soundtrack. And, and this is Barry again doing all of this, yes, right? Yes, yes. Genius. Yeah, Barry, Barry at his finest. Yeah. Much yeah. missed John Barry. And and Shirley Bassey, is this was her was her yeah. one and only theme song, or did she no, do No, she did oh, Goldfinger, no, no. and then... And then eight years later, she came back for Moonraker. Ah. And she was British as well, right, Shirley Bassett? Yeah, she was from Cardiff, Wales, old boy. Oh, shit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Oh dear. Well, let's, let's pick some more of this up tomorrow. We're, we're kind of we're kind of running it at the end of the at the end of this episode. Running on let's fumes, this, eh? Yes. Let's pick this up for the for the sixteenth minute as, as we get into it on our next show. For folks listening on the show, if you would like to uh, check us out, or check our previous episodes, go to the big site 007 minutecom uh, You can also find us on iTunes and Google Play or wherever you found found this one. That's where we're. There's probably more of us. <laughs> So check out iTunes and Google Play. Just look for 007 Minute. Uh, find us also on uh, Facebook at uh, uh, Operation Grand Slam, which is where everybody Grand gets Slam. together and chat, chats about this. And uh, you can find us on Twitter, of course, uh, 007 Minute. Uh, David, if you'll join us on the next show, we'd be happy to talk some more about uh, Peter Franks and stuff. Like Can that. do. All right. Well, pick us up here uh, next time on the 007 Minute. And we'll be back faster than you can say, oh, Bert Saxby. Bert Saxby? Yeah. Tell him he's fired.